Matt, I'm honestly I'm just more pissed that that the bets I had in that game that were all like massive close. You know that you know how this works. Just all massive closing line value. I mean, phenomenal. None of them won. That that's what I because I went into this game with the expectations the Eagles were going to lose. I I I know I, really like I said I. The only bet I won was Cowboys minus three. Those fingertips away from the Sometimes, man, a closing line value. It'll get you. Good signal, yeah, though. Whenever you feel real good going into something like, man, I crushed this. You know, if closing line value paid out in cash, I'd be a millionaire. Wouldn't we all? Well, actually, a lot of us wouldn't be, but. Right. That's the, <laughs> that's the problem. They probably won more bets than me yesterday. Yeah, man. Been there many, many times. It's not a good feeling. And then, you know the worst part? Mike, you've been muted the whole time. The worst part is all you can do is keep making those bets because you're on the right side. Yeah. No wonder you weren't I mean, listening to me. Hey, good morning. Welcome to a special edition of the Monday NFL Strategy Show. It is not a showdown strategy show. It is a two-game, doubleheader, Monday night football strategy show, which I am very much looking forward to. Now, both games are the same time. They're both 8-15. I don't know. Explain that one to me. I guess it doesn't make a difference. Miami, Tennessee, Giants, Green Bay Packers. Big prize pools today. Two games that... um. Maybe get out of hand. Spoiler, I, I think the Giants could cover even with Tommy DeVito under center. But lots to get into. Usually Matt and I take a different approach. It's showdown, right? But today, we'll still go position by position. We'll go position by position, and uh, we'll try and iron things out. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. We'll build a lineup at the end uh, and try and figure out, well, how are we jamming in Miami Dolphins as 14-point favorites against the Tennessee Titans? But before we do, Matt Gajeski with me as always at Matt underscore Gajeski. What's up, brother? Not much, man. Excited for two games. Luckily, in today's era of football, all you got to do is throw on the double box and you get to watch both games. If you're still using regular cable, I suggest switching over to some streaming service so you don't have to flip back and forth between your two games. Even though there might be blowouts, I'm still looking forward to it. What are you using for double box? Like the I just have YouTube TV. So I have YouTube TV as well. Um, I, I wasn't sure. I know ESPN does like a double box on stream or something, which I've never tried. I, I don't know if I'd like that. You don't like watching two games? I, I do, but how do they do it? Like is, like, is the audio on one of them or something? Yep. You okay. choose which one you want audio for. Okay. I just put one on each TV. But to be fair... I choose which audio I want one for anyway. So I don't have, I don't well, have, you, you have it better. If you have two TVs, you get. Sure. I don't have dueling audio though. No, that's what I was asking. Like, is the ESPN dual stream is not bad. It actually like looks okay. And it doesn't, it, it, it's not bad. I've, I've wondered that I've never clicked into it. Oh, it's awesome. And for college football, college basketball, you can go quad box. It's great. You have two TVs. You could go octo box. Imagine. Oh, uh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. You are going to be living pretty during March Madness. <laughs> no, um, I have YouTube TV as well. It's actually, I got rid of, I was paying such a ridiculous price for cable. Like 
insane. Had cable boxes in like every room. Total waste of money in the long run. So I'm with you, man. But we've got two games. Who knows? Maybe we won't want to watch either of these. My dumbass stayed <laughs> up and watched all of that Eagles game last night. I saw it coming. Look, I said it all week. I said I said I tweeted before the game started that um I feel a you know an all-time hum I forget what I said, like an all-time ass be I forget what I called it, um, type of game coming on. And I was hoping to be wrong, wasn't wrong at all. They stink, the defense stinks. I mean, the Cowboys will find a way to blow it. So I'm not particularly worried about that, Matt, once we get into the postseason. But, um, well, when Ben and I do our strategy show tomorrow and we have our tiers of, like, Super Bowl contenders, playoff teams, I got to take the Philadelphia Eagles and knock them down a peg, man. That was a bad, bad game. Back-to-back bad games against two good teams. There's, like, maybe, especially in the AFC, like, Eight teams, I think, that could actually do something in the playoffs. I mean, the NFC is so damn weak that I still think the Eagles are right there. I think you could maybe put them behind the 49ers and the Cowboys. But if you played that game again, played it on, you played it at home or on a neutral field, I don't think the spread is anywhere outside three in that game. Obviously, you get weird results in a one-game sample. But, I I mean, I still think they're clearly a top three team in the NFC and right there to – like potentially go back to the Super Bowl. I mean, you want to have the bye, which hurts you, likely, if things hold. But, I mean, it's still an awesome team, and all the good teams are in the AFC. Yeah, I don't think they are a good team, a very good team. I think they're clearly better than the Lions. Buccaneers are awful. Vikings are awful. Packers aren't great. We'll talk about them. And then the teams that might make a push, like Rams, Seahawks, Falcons, Saints. I mean, like, your path to an NFC championship is pretty easy. Fair point. Well, yeah, like I think they make the playoffs. All I'm saying, Matt, is when you look at these games, I if you were to use like a luck rating or whatever, clearly one of the luckiest teams in the league. You know, MVS drops touchdown, Chiefs drop a hundred passes, uh Josh Josh Allen miscommunication with Gabe Davis wide open in the end zone. But I'm mean, all I'm saying is you could go back and just and you could be like, oh, yeah, well, you're 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 cherry picking. Not really. All I'm saying is their defense isn't very good. Their I mean, you could use good. yeah, you could use anecdotal evidence on on both sides of this. And I mean, I don't think it's likely that they go back and win a Super Bowl, but I think it's maybe a little more likely than than you two think. It's still yeah, fresh. May, maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, you guys are ten and three. Yeah. I still, I think, I think we're a paper tiger though. I think, I think that's a very empty 10 and three. We'll see, Matt. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I don't know. I don't have strong opinions on this. When you, when you can't, I'm just saying, when you can't stop good, good offenses, you're going to have like the, the way that the only way the Eagles win is by going blow, you know, shot for shot offensively, because they, they're not going to win with the defense. But that's all right. We How got many to- times did they use Hertz as a design runner last night? I fell asleep at halftime. Um, a decent amount early on. He fumbled. Uh, a few Which times isn't a like, reason to stop. No, no, of, of course not. But also, the Eagles' offensive coordinator is terrible. Brian Johnson, very bad. Yeah, I mean, you have a skill that two thirds of the NFL can't use with a quarterback that can actually run. It's kind of what we talked about earlier. You have a an elite skill set from your QB, and half of it comes in the ground. 
and you don't use it because perhaps you want to keep him healthy and you lose games. It's like, if he gets hurt, you're going to lose games. If you don't mm -hmm. use his skills to the, to the best of his potential, you're going to lose games too. So I don't understand why they don't run him more. But again, I fell asleep at halftime. I don't know how much they did do that. I wish I fell asleep at halftime. <laughs> Ready to talk some Monday night football? Yeah. Hey guys, appreciate you being with us. If you haven't done so yet, take one single second this Monday morning. Atone for your sins. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment down below if you're listening or watching after the fact. That stuff, uh, believe it or not, goes a very long way for us here trying to appease the YouTube algorithm. So that single second you take to tap that thumbs up helps us greatly to subscribe, to leave a comment. And of course, don't forget, all of our content, anything with a shelf life, like anything outside of the deeper dives and live before locks, you can find it in podcast form as well. So you're driving, you want to close your phone, you're doing something around the house, whatever it is, just want to close your phone, throw it in your pocket, everything in podcast form. We also have podcast exclusive content that is only in podcast form and can't be found on YouTube. So check that out if you haven't done so yet. All right, let's um, copy paste. They said Eagles got exposed last night. No, they didn't. They got exposed last week and they exposed themselves in previous weeks. They just found ways to win. Matt and I can disagree on this. That's okay. We can disagree on this. I'm not uh, saying that they didn't get exposed. I think they're a top three team in the NFC. And I think if you made the line today with the 49ers or Dallas, I don't think it's changed that much, even though that's who they've lost to the last two weeks. I, I don't disagree. I would say that they're a top three team in the NFC for sure. But also, once you get past Dallas and San Francisco, hey, I mean, what is there? Lions just lost. Well, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think they're more than like three, four point underdogs in those games, which is right there. It's like a 42% win expectancy. At uh, at home, you're saying? Yeah, I, I will call it neutral field, even though they don't play that till the Super Bowl. But at home, I think they're probably like a one-point-ish dog to both of them, maybe two or three, and then a little wider if it's away. I mean, they're, they're right there. So I think if it was a neutral location against the Niners, it's a touchdown spread. No way. I think so. The Packers are six-point favorites against the Giants, who are basically an XFL team. No way. All right. I hope. All right. All right. There's no way, dude. I think touchdown so. favorites. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. luckily we don't have this hypothetical spread, but I mean, it might not move. It might not open there, but I think it would move there. I do. Yeah. We'll dude, see. They, the they could beat each other. You might not need to play them both. The Niners were just three point favorites in Philly. And they beat the brakes off of them. Yeah. You might be right. Like, they won by, what was it, 30 points or whatever? And they were three-point road favorites? I don't know. I don't know. You could, I, you could be right on that. That That is a good point. Schedule two, five rough games in a row. Like Mike, stop games. making excuses for the not, Eagles. No, just <laughs> saying. That, hey, they held stop. Miami to one touchdown. Yeah, Who and Miami got... And Miami got penalized on every single play that they had. So did and we last night. We deserved it. <laughs> we did. We were know, whatever. Whatever. No one wants to hear me talk about this. Let's get into uh let's get into Monday night football. We'll start with quarterbacks, Matt. I will say, and I know I know you agree with me, these two game slates are pretty fun. They're pretty fun, right? You enjoy these? Yeah, I love them. The biggest thing you need to be aware of, I think, is just how many people you're playing against. 
it operates like a showdown where you do have to consider duplication. Honestly, I think you have to consider duplication a little bit more. I mean, you have more roster slots, but with showdown, you have like the flexibility of your captain and you could run into a lot of dupes on showdown slates as well as these two gamers. So that's really the only big difference. Otherwise, ownership, like 50% ownership is not that high. So you just kind of have to tailor all of that to the, the size of the slate. But otherwise, yeah, I love these slates. Yeah, man. And uh, it's fun because we have Tyree Kill projected for 80% ownership today. Yeah, he's too low, too. He should just be, yeah, hunt while you're saying just clean sweep it across every lineup 100%. Yeah, you would need him to get hurt on like the first play for him to fail. I hope that's not foreshadowing here because <laughs> you're right. Tyree kills in a in a phenomenal spot, man. They're 14 point favorites. He needs he needs to average just a few a couple yards over a hundred per game over the remainder of the season to have two thousand yards. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. He might legitimately win the MVP, but I don't know. Brock Purdy kind of has separated himself recently. Yeah, yesterday too. I hope that Tyree Kill gets two thousand in sixteen games because then it then it feels legit, right? Feels way more legit in sixteen than seventeen games. Yeah, I saw a stat on this. It's funny. You, we talk about like him versus Calvin Johnson. You can also break it down by routes, and Calvin Johnson ran significantly more routes that year. So yeah, you do have the game thing, but when you break it down on like a per snap per route basis, it kind of removes the extra game that Tyreek Hill has played because he, he honestly hasn't played nearly as much as Calvin Johnson did that year where he broke it. For sure. But you know how optics work. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. NFL wanted more money, changed the, the season length. You're going to have a lot of rules broken in the next few years. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And a lot of records. Quarterback. Let's make it happen. So at the quarterback position, pretty cut and dry. You have two attack of a law. Jordan Love, Will Levis, Tommy DeVito. So Will Levis has been, he had that, he had one game early on. It was the first game he started against Atlanta. And everyone's like, man, maybe there's something here. Remember the three touchdown DeAndre Hopkins game? One of those touchdowns, uh, clearly offensive pass interference on DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, let's not let that get in the way of a good success story. Either way, it was a, it was a, it's a good game. Outside of that, though, Will Levis has been to to say to say he's been pedestrian might be too big of a compliment. Now you go up against the Miami team as a 14-point dog. You're gonna have to throw the ball. There's no doubt about that. It feels like a spot where Derrick Henry could get phased out, although they're not gonna want that to happen. But Miami's healthier now. That secondary's healthier now. It's a tough spot. You have Tommy DeVito as a six-point dog at home against Green Bay. Uh, and then you have Jordan Love against the New York Giants, who their defense has been super hit or miss. They've performed relatively well against subpar offenses. And then to a tag of Aloha, like he's far and away the best quarterback on this slate. It's not even close. Far and away the best weapons on this slate. Now the question, though, is like, how do we make this work from a roster construction standpoint? Because his price point is also $1,300 higher than the next closest player. Yeah, I find Tua pretty easy to play. There's a lot of open salary on this two-game slate, largely because of like Christian Watson opened some really cheap value. The Giants have consolidated a little bit, so you also have options down there with, with that team. So you can go pretty cheap at receiver. Tucker Craft, also an option. I mean, Trigo Conquo being 
among the most expensive tight ends in the slate kind of tells you the layout of the land there. So there's tons of value. I find it pretty easy to get to a, if you're playing cash, I think he's an easy consideration. Honestly, for tournaments, man, like I'm probably just going to X out Will Levis and DeVito and only play Tua and Jordan Love across field sizes. If you're playing small field, like no question, I'm not even considering Levis or DeVito. And honestly, man, these two guys are so bad that in, in large field, I might honestly just play Tua and Jordan Love. It's so easy to get to them today. I don't know why you wouldn't. You know what? I don't disagree. I, I really don't. And we saw the one good game from Tommy DeVito against Washington. Matt, you might have a decent, you might have a 20 DK point game against Washington Commanders. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I can't believe he actually did something. But if you were to drop a matchup where it occurred, that would be the one. I mean, Green Bay is an awesome pass rush. The, the New York Giants offensive line hasn't gotten any better. They're still down a couple guys because of injuries. He's going to be under duress tonight. I mean, I don't know what he's been doing during the bye week. He's been, like, reviewing food. I mean, Tommy, you suck. <laughs> Maybe you should be practicing instead of, like, messing around on the internet. I mean, I, <laughs> Jair Alexander's out, but does it really matter in this spot? You talked about Green Bay's pass rush. Does it really matter? I don't think so. I mean, they've been – it's not like Jair's played a lot this year. Right. He's, and I mean, he's look, barely they held played. The, they held the, the, the Chiefs to under 20. Again – the Chiefs are very good at holding themselves under 20 points as well. Did you did you see the Travis Kelsey just beautiful backwards pass that got negated due to uh due to Kadarius Tony lining up offsides? Oh yeah. How many times does that team shoot them? How many times do those wide receivers shoot themselves in the foot? It's insane, dude. That I'm not saying they'd be undefeated, but if you if you had wide receivers with, you know, even a handful of brain cells that they could rub together, that team would have wins in like three or four of the games that they've lost, man. It's crazy. Yeah, they've missed a lot on their wide receivers, which, I mean, you had Tyreek Hill. Maybe you should have signed him. But, I mean, you also could sign like some middling free agent wide receivers. I mean, there's other receivers that aren't, as expensive as Tyree Kill, like you could go out and get a DJ Moore or something like that if we're looking in hindsight. I don't know why you don't do not do things like that. And for everyone they've hit on, they've missed on a lot of draft picks. Like Sky Moore is horrible. Absolutely. I mean, Rasheed Rice, for all the good he does, he has a lot of bad plays too. But I mean, what about Miko Hardman, who they drafted in the second round? Miko Hardman couldn't even start at in college, he couldn't even start on the Jets either. Well, that's a little harder than starting in college. But yeah. I, I know. I'm just, I'm just, it was uh, playing it off as the Jets might be a college. Although the Jets got the win yesterday, but no, it's bad. It, I, you know what I mean, though? That it's like brain dead plays. It's not just that they have receivers who aren't, you know, aren't good at getting separation or aren't good route runners. It's just the mindless drops and, and boneheaded plays that every time. Dude, that Travis Kelsey play was one of the most heads-up, smartest plays you'll ever see a pass catcher make in the NFL. And what happened? It it resulted in negative yards on a penalty, and they lost. Yeah, I mean, they traded a lot to get Kadarius Tony too, and he plays like 15% of the snaps. Yeah, just enough to fuck things up is what he does. It's like uh, you could have used the original draft pick on a receiver, and instead you traded it for an unproven receiver. You know what's tough with Tommy DeVito, even if you wanted to take that shot? 
Listen in the three games he started. Listen to the target shares for his wide receivers. Slayton, 16%. Wandale Robinson, 15%. Barkley, 15%. Shepard, 14%. Hyatt, 12%. Bellinger, 10%. Uh, Hodgins, 7%. Like, there is no clear pecking order there. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt's had 37% of air yards on the team. But outside of that, 12 targets, 12 targets, 11, 10, 9, 7, and 6 among seven different wide receivers. Good luck trying to figure that out. Yeah, what I will say is that it's moved in Wandale and Jalen Hyatt's direction. Yeah. But I don't feel confident that it remains there. So if you're playing any of those guys, I think it's got to be Wandale or Hyatt just because you've seen them get a little bit more recently. But we've also seen guys like Sterling Shepard pop up randomly, more Darius Slayton. So I don't I don't feel confident in that. And to your point, it almost makes it impossible to stack DeVito with confidence. I'd rather just play a Giants one-off receiver and not have all that systemic risk from just a horrifyingly bad offense. And plus, Saquon's the best running back play on the slate, just raw projection, not factoring in price. So if you're already putting Saquon in like your lineups because of his safety, do I really want DeVito and a receiver and then have three or four Giants in my lineup? And the answer is absolutely no. So I'm probably right. not going to play any DeVito and I'll be light on the receivers, I imagine, too. Me too. I have no problem mixing in some guys like Hyatt, though. Uh, honestly, Hyatt, Hyatt would probably be my preferred option uh, on the Giants because at least he's getting opportunities downfield. Unfortunately, they're coming from Tommy DeVito. But if I'm playing a cheap guy like that and the target share is spread so far around um, – Give me, give me, give me a couple shots on a deep ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's exactly how I would like to play. Like the Giants receivers, Hyatt and Wandale. Wandale is different than Hyatt. He's getting there probably on like five or six receptions, and then hopefully he can just make some yards after contact. Hyatt, you're you're dealing with the prairie yards, and hopefully he breaks one. He's open, and Devito has enough time to hit him, which is going to be a problem. Or he just catches something contested. That he's not supposed to because that's the those are the kind of the balls that Hyatt's going to be looking at tonight for sure. Dude, listen to the air yards on the Giants over the last three games with DeVito 203 for Hyatt, 110 for Slayton, 37 for Wandale Rob. Wandale Robinson has the same amount of air yards as Saquon Barkley. So, like you said, you're relying on him for if this ends up being a low scoring slate, Wandale Robinson could be in the winning lineup if he has, you know six for 40 or something like that. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, it's just one of those scenarios where you're not expecting Wondell Robinson to do anything spectacular. You're hoping he gives you nine or 10 at a dirt cheap price point on, on PPR. Yeah. I I like his safety for that reason. If you're Agreed. playing cash game, small field stuff, he does fit in a lot of lineups because of his price tag. And I do think he provides a lot of safety yeah, I mean, you're sacrificing upside without a doubt. It's probably unlikely he scores, but yeah. I mean, it's, these are all bad receivers, so you're taking shots on guys we don't feel comfortable about, but you have to because it's a two-game slate. Ninja Choke said, Tony's actually really good. They don't win that last Super Bowl without him. Well, that is an opinion. Uh, Copy-paste days. Lavi, please don't tell me you're siding with Mahomes' cope crying side. When did I say that? Wasn't Mahomes crying about the refs? I think so. Yeah. 
he was definitely mad about him. He was, it's not happy, but I, yeah, I mean, you know what I will side with Mahomes on his pass catchers stink. I'll yeah, side with Kelsey's old. What's that? Kelsey's old. Yeah. Are, are you, uh, are you out on Kelsey? You think it's, you think it's the end of the road towards the end of the road as like a premier elite tight end. No, he's still among the best tight ends. I'm out at him at like 8K, which he has yeah, been routine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what? It's like I'm out on Kelsey as being the only guy you need in an offense, right? Like they clearly went into this season kind of thinking as long as we have Kelsey, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's it's not really working out for him as well as they thought it was. <laughs> no. Yeah, copy paste date. That's my point. I, I'm not not siding with. I'm blaming the pass catchers. Of course, Mahomes isn't publicly going to blame all his pass catchers. Anyway, uh, I'm with you. I don't know how much we need to do breaking down quarterback. Like it's 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 Jordan. It's Tua Tagovailoa and it's Jordan Love. Are there any? Are there like I'll play the I'll play some DeAndre Hopkins. I don't have an issue with that. But to your point that you just made a minute ago, yeah, I'll take some I'll take some flyers on wide receivers for the giants because they're near minimum salary. And I'm going to need to do that, particularly if I'm getting to Tua and Tyree kill stacks. Uh, and I'll hope that, you know, the prayer yards connect on a Jalen Hyatt or Wondell Robinson can get me six receptions for 30 yards, but, and I'll play Deandre Hopkins because he could definitely have a, another 12 target game here, particularly as a 14 point dog on the road. I just don't know why I need to tie the, the quarterbacks into this today. And really, the price points on these quarterbacks, I don't think they're I don't think they're far enough apart from Love and Tagovailoa to even make the argument there. Like if Tua was eighty six hundred and you had this crazy price point, and Love was seven K, and they price adjusted everything for a two game slate with two other bad quarterbacks, fine. Like Tua is only two thousand dollars more than Will Levis. Yeah, which is not enough. I mean. To put this simply, like Will Levis and Tommy DeVito aren't even like NFL talents at the quarterback position. Like these guys are terrible. They don't, and Levis specifically, I, they do not use his skill set well. The guy's actually really athletic. Like he had a ton of rushing yards back at, at Penn State. He had one design rush attempt last week. So, I mean, they don't even know how to use him. So he could be a decent fantasy asset, just doesn't have good pass catchers. O-line is among the worst in the NFL. He's not running by design. Just a complete disaster for this team. And they also have a really low implied team total. Scoring expectation here is horrifyingly bad. Plus, when you look at some of the other positions on the slate, you can find some other guys around 10% ownership that I think you feel at least better about DeVito and, and Will Levis for that matter. So to me, I would just rather take my leverage elsewhere. Exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about running backs. Before we do, though, underdog fantasy sponsor of the NFL Strategy Show Matt, I have a question for you, if you don't mind uh, indulging me here. Yeah? Yeah, of yeah. course. All right. All right. So <laughs> the 2023, I, I know you're going to answer it anyway. The 2023 playoff gauntlet, right? It's $25 entry, $1.5 million prize pool, which is massive, $150,000 up top. Uh, I love it because it's it's a flat enough payout. Like second place is 75 k third place is 55 even if even if you finish 10th, it's still 15K. So it's not like this garbage payout structure where they they front load everything 
And now if you don't finish first place in a really tough contest, you get nothing. It's a nice payout structure for sure. It's wild card round, divisional round, championship, then of course, Super Bowl. And you're drafting guys to make it all the way through those rounds. It's awesome. I do it every year. I've yet to have a ton of success. I get a few teams through the first and then it starts to get ugly because you're advancing through the rounds with these teams. What is your, because I know there's guys in here that maybe haven't heard of this strat approach yet, or I'm sorry, these contests yet. What is like rants? He said, what contest would tell you right now, what would your strategy be to a contest like this? Cause it's so far removed. It's so different than any other contest we see in the DFS or best ball space. And when would you enter it? Yeah, it's really fun. I was actually thinking about this a lot this morning and trying to develop like a portfolio strategy. I like starting right now because you can get some teams on like the fringe of the playoffs, a little under-owned, if you will. The first thing I would consider is how many people you're playing against. These Some of these have a ton of entrance. And from there, obviously, the first thing you want to consider and try to get players on is teams that are going to go deep in the playoffs. But as you get later in the rounds, you also want to consider – how you're going to get different. That's how you'll separate yourself in these large tournaments. So then taking either really good players on teams, not expected to go very far. Maybe a team gets a lucky win and you have them. They go further than they were expected. You can win that way. Or you find some players on teams that are projected to go far that maybe aren't rostered a lot. So, I mean, your wide receiver threes, like <laughs> I'll use Philly for an example. If you drafted like a Quez Watkins, he's not going to be very owned. He's not likely to do anything, but in the event he does, you'll be one of the only people that has him. So just a couple of considerations for tournaments like this. For sure. And, and race fans said you want to draft teams that go that have a legitimate shot of making the Super Bowl. You said the same thing, of course. But it, I'm telling you right now, because I've done these, it is like stacking them. It's doable, but it can be really tough with these good teams because those guys go in quick succession, quick succession at one after another. Um, like, are you okay loading up on a team early, maybe later in the draft where you go, they have great skill players, they have a dynamic offense. I'm not sure they make a deep run, but it could get me to a point where, like, maybe the, the back half of my lineup, or, like, maybe, would you be okay stacking, like, a, a good team but not getting all of their best players? You know what I mean? Like, a, a Super Bowl contender but not getting all their best players because it's really difficult. Yeah, it is really difficult. And I mean, to your point, the teams that are projected to reach the Super Bowl or at least have the best odds are going to come off the board really fast. It's going to be hard to stack them. So if you have like a stack from a premier team that maybe doesn't go quite as as far, you can still win that way because like, let's just keep using the Eagles for an example. In the event they go to the Super Bowl, is someone really going to have hurt stacked with Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown? Maybe Goddard, but it's still kind of unlikely that you actually achieve like a full Eagle stack and someone can bury you in that round. And the other thing, too, is, you know, the wild card teams get an extra round, too. If you have like a, a wild card team that makes it to the NFC championship, that's the same exact team or same amount of games as like a team playing with a bye that makes it to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. So yeah, there's a lot of ways you can approach it. Yeah. And, and really, the one way you get those mega stacks is you have to reach. Like you'd have, you know what I mean? If you want to get Jalen and AJ Brown, you have to go, you're going to be taking certain guys earlier than their ADP. And you have to live with that if that's what you want to do, which I think is actually reasonable if you're trying to build like a super team that you think makes this, the Super Bowl. Anyway, 
Uh, figured you guys want to jump in 100% first match deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. If you deposit 100, you have 200 now in your account. If you put 50 in, it's 100 now. 20, it's 40. Whatever you do is double. The link's in the description and it's in chat. They have daily best ball contests for basketball, hockey, football. Um, you have the pick them where if you're not in legal sports betting states, up to 20x your entry. If you hit five of five, you could do two of two. You could do two pick plays, three or four, however you want to approach it. Uh, but make sure when you sign up, this is the big thing. You're getting the bonus if you use the link in the description and chat, but you're also getting free squares. So basically for any new users, every day there's a free square out there where it'd be like tonight, over half a yard for Tua Tagovailoa. Use that, plug it into your pick and plays and make sure that you're getting, you've already knocked one out and now you just have to finish the rest. So a lot of incentive to check that out. One and a half million dollar best ball tournament for the playoffs as well. A million different formats on underdog. If you're not there yet, it's an awesome place to play. Check it out. Link in the description and in chat. All right, let's talk running backs. So Barkley is going to play essentially the whole game, Matt. Like 80-plus percent of snaps is really a lock for him at this point, barring any injury or anything. And then Devon Achan, how about this? Uh, he comes back from a, a pretty significant hiatus because he returned and then got hurt again. So he's played, what, like one full game since week five? Uh 61% of snaps last game, really solid outing. No, he didn't average 12 yards per attempt. Shocking. But two touchdowns on the ground, targeted four times, three for 40, three for 30 through the air. Is he, are, are you willing to say that he is the, the the lead back in Miami now? No, I actually think it's Mostert. A lot of that work came in the second half when they just put Mostert on ice. Yeah. So I... I'm not confident in saying that, but I don't, I definitely am not saying it's him at best. I think this is 50, 50 at worst. I think this is like 60, 40 in favor of Mostert. And I, I mean, that makes sense to me too. Like every time they try to give Achan more work, he just gets hurt. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I think we're looking at a split. Same. I would project this direct 50, 50. How, with that in mind, then, if, if we're if we're if we're doing it that way, and you're talking ownership here, for what it's worth, I've been burned on this earlier in the year, where I went heavier on Mostert over Devon HM when everyone was excited about him and HM was way higher owned, and they got the exact same workload, they played almost identical snaps, but HM just had the bigger game and it burned me. But here you're looking at double the ownership from Devon HM to Raheem Mostert today, 47% and then around 23% to Mostert. How do you use that to your advantage if you're going into these big tournaments? Yeah, you said it right there. That's the main reason why I have more interest in Mostert today. If I were playing like cash games, I think you just put HN right in there. The efficiency is worthwhile if this is a 50-50 split. But I mean, if it is a 50-50 split, a lot of this is going to come down to who scores a touchdown who gets an extra carry here, gets an extra target there. And at half the ownership, almost the same price. Yeah, most it's actually cheaper. I'd rather just play the low-owned guy in this offense. They both have had big games. They both have had big games together. And I'm just trying to bet on Miami backs that are under-owned, basically, which to me, most it is. Again, I think this is just a direct 50-50 timeshare. Hey, Matt, we got a $20 super chat from, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Prime... 
Voltatang? He said, no question. Just want to say great advice last week from Lafayette, Matt. Put in 46 lineup for, lineups for Pitt, New England, Thursday night football game. And every lineup cash won $1,400, mostly for tying for first in the 100K first down. Every lineup cashed, Matt. That is unbelievably impressive. Yeah. I've had I've had slates where none of my lineups cash, but not so every single I. one. So yeah, congrats on the success. That's awesome. You deserve it. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Thanks for the super chat and congrats. And glad we could be of uh, some help here for sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm just looking at running backs. And if you go to our ownership projections, also I ran the Sims earlier and the exposures I got on the running back position. So if I were to look, if I were to just sort by running back position, it was, let's see, running back. Oh, this scares me. And I, this is assuming Aaron Jones plays. We got, I got a lot of Jones, a lot of Barkley, a, a lot of Devon HN, some AJ Dillon, and essentially not a lot of anyone else. This is one of those spots where like, your own personal thoughts kind of have to be injected into the mix. It, they don't have to be, but I might. Because every time we've seen Aaron Jones return from these injuries, these lower body injuries, he has slowly worked back in, Matt. And I was very cautious about that. I, I talked to you guys about it for weeks on end. Like, yeah, Aaron Jones is back, but how confident are we after knowing his track record and his checkered injury history how confident are we that he comes back and gets a full workload? I'd be lying to you if I said I was confident that he was going to be back in full, even if he's active tonight, Matt. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I probably should have brought this up before you went on the Aaron Jones, but Pelissero not long ago said he's not expected to play. Oh, well, I was making like literally while we're on the show. So I mean, okay. unless you're <laughs> okay. So I'm not I'm not crazy. That was no, I like I literally show. just came through and I just have push notifications. Okay. Feel free. Yeah. Feel free to interrupt me on that one. I have push notifications too, but I just didn't see it. So, okay. Well, that makes life a little easier. I kind of wish he was playing because I would be massively underweight on Aaron Jones if he was active. Yeah. It makes things easy, but I don't think there's like an easy leverage point. AJ Dillon should slide right into cash lineups. Now he's just such an easy click at that price. You love AJ Dillon. I mean, he's he's terrible, but he has a full workload. He's playing an inept Giants team as a touchdown favorite. On a running back slate, that's not real great. So I'm I think he's pretty easy to just slide right into your lineup. Kind of force for a cash game specifically. I mean, tournaments more than willing to fade a player who's not good. What about Derrick Henry today? He is a fade for me. I don't think it's really much of a question. He's 31% on in our, we have to read around this obviously because the Jones news just came through, but like we had most less on than Derrick Henry. I'd rather just play him straight up. I imagine AJ Dillon's probably going to come up. I wonder how much more owned he will be than Derrick Henry, but they're 14 point underdogs. Derrick Henry needs to play with positive game script. He's in a timeshare. You have two backs that are 200 and 500 more than him in Miami who are right on the other side of this game projected for way more touchdown expectation, way more efficiency. I mean, there's injuries to the Tennessee defensive line. I think one hole people might try to poke in this team is that, oh, the toughest matchup 
like for Miami is going to be up against that Tennessee front. They don't have Jeffrey Simmons today, who's the anchor of their interior. So I don't even think the matchup's that hard for Miami. I'd rather just straight up play them. I'd rather straight up play A.J. Dillon over Derrick Henry at this point. Like Tennessee uses Tajay Spears as their pass game back. So, I, I mean, this is extremely risky rostering, Henry. I think what you need for him to have a full good game is Tennessee gets the opening kickoff, score immediately, and then they play in positive to neutral game script the whole time, which probably isn't likely. Man, I tell you. Oh, wait, real quick. Michael Hoff with a super chat. Thanks, dude. If you had anything to say, go for it. But I appreciate you, man. Steven with a super chat said, play them together. We're, we're going to get it. We're going to get into all of this. But would you consider Tajay Spears? I don't think so. He's really thin. And I mean, he's really close in price to AJ Dillon now. I know. I, I I thought about him a lot more when I thought Aaron Jones was going to play. But now, I mean, you have like a full workload for 300 more. I, In an awesome matchup, too. I, I want to say no. I want to say that I'm not playing Taji Spears. But there's a part of me that goes, man, if they fall behind early, like, is he just going to be on the field for, like, is he going to play 60% of snaps if they go behind early? He could. I don't know if it's enough because then you're really just paying 5K to lean on a guy and hope that he gets passing down work coming from Will Levis, right? That's the other problem here. Like it's kind of multi, multi-pronged approach of how things have to go in order to get there. And like one, he has to be on the field. Well, one, they have to be playing from behind. Two, he has to be on the field, all of those. Three, he has to get the targets. And four, those targets have to be decent coming from Will Levis. Yeah, it's a lot that needs to go right for him. But I guess for a large field, it's it's kind of like you have to consider some of these guys as leverage points. Depending on how large the field is, there's a 500K tonight. If you're playing that, I'd take a look at some of these players. But again, I the leverage you're gaining with Mostert is just something I would much rather click on than Tajay Spears. Obviously monitor this throughout the day, monitor this once it's updated for the recent Aaron Jones news, but man, like I would just rather take a leverage point with Mostert over HN. And yeah, I saw a chat. I think you can play Mostert and HN together and that'll probably be fairly contrarian. I, I absolutely think you can. Yeah, you can. Because if you're doing so, what does that mean? That I mean, sure, you could play a three running back lineup, but you, you'd you be foregoing a similarly priced Henry, a similarly priced Barkley. Barkley's not a lock to score in that offense. You know, they have a, a very low total. Derrick Henry's certainly not a lock to score. Another team with a super low total. Uh, Devon Achan and Raheem Mostert could definitely both give you, like looking at the rest of the running back field, that might be the optimal pairing today. That wouldn't shock me even a little bit if that was the optimal pairing uh, as, as the one and two running backs. It wouldn't surprise me either for everything we have at the running back position. Saquon plays for such a bad offense. We've seen him come out, touch the ball, I don't know, 18 to 20 times and finish with like six DraftKings points. A.J. Dillon's A.J. Dillon. He often just finds a way to be bad. Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears are on a Titans team that's a 14-point underdog. I don't think it's that crazy for A-Chan and Mostert to finish 1-2 in running back scoring. I don't think it's likely, but I 
Like, I think this is firmly in the range of outcomes tonight. There's Absolutely. a lot of bad running backs. Absolutely. And, you know, another issue is when you start looking at some of these cheap options, where do we go? I mean, Jeff Wilson, I don't, unless this game, last game got wildly out of hand and Jack and, Je, and Jeff Wilson still only played five snaps, right? So aside from that, where do we look? Patrick Taylor at 4,400? I mean, maybe that's viable, but his workload has still been very, very low. Um, who are... Who are any other viable cheap running backs once you get below AJ Dillon? And I'll say Tajay Spears because he he basically that's that's where it stops for me. I, I don't know if I'm willing to go cheaper than that today. I'm not. I don't think there's anyone else viable beyond this. You're banking on an injury. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you're banking on an AJ Dillon injury, or like even if one of the Miami running backs gets hurt it's still probably just a lot of the other, you know, a lot of the other ones. So. Right. And I think the only situation this is really that viable is probably New York because Matt Rita isn't getting any ownership at all. But I mean, if Derrick Henry goes down, it's Tajay Spears. It's not some rando on the street. If AJ Dillon goes down, it's Patrick Taylor. And then Miami, it's likely just going to be the counterpart whichever one were to get hurt. If it's A-Chan, it's Mostert and vice versa. And like, I don't think Jeff Wilson's playing a huge role. So I don't know, like the injury thing isn't even that live on the slate to begin with. It's kind of just Brita, but I'm not playing Matt Brita today. No, no. That had to be like a 9 million person field. Yeah, no chance. Mike, I don't know if it was, I don't know if I thought this into existence. I think when I use just a random example of the free squares that Underdog gives out, I think I said to a tag of Aloha over a half a yard. You did. I did, right? Yeah. Yep. You did. Well, they just they just dropped a free square for new customers to a tag of Aloha over half a total yard for or sorry. Well, I say over because you're not taking the under. How about that, Matt? They just dropped the new customer special uh for new people signing up, and it's to a half a total yard. Yeah, man. Today's your day. You're predicting the free squares. Yeah, man. Well, they certainly weren't going to go Tommy DeVito. So I, I had the inside track on that one. But yeah, like I said, guys, uh, Underdog, link down there in the description and chat. They just dropped it. New customer special for today. If you're not there yet, you're getting, on top of the deposit bonus, the two a half a total yard. Take the over on that, please. All right. Anything else at running back? I don't think so. Dude, I think I'm probably, I. the more I look at this, the more I, I want to get some HN Mostert lineups in there together, especially if it's a 50-50 split, even though it's a tough if it's a tough matchup on the ground. Yeah, for sure. For tournaments, I love that. For cash games, I think I'm playing some combination of one of the Miami backs, Saquon and AJ Dillon. That makes sense. Yeah. I I'd probably in cash games go HN. Yeah, but. he's he's not hard to fit. I have a lineup I think I you know, I might play cash tonight. This lineup is pretty sick. Tyreek Hill is pretty expensive. Well, very expensive. Uh, it's him and Jalen Waddle up there at the top. Amazes me that week in and week out, Jalen Waddle's price point, he's priced like he he's priced as one of the more elite receivers in the league. Yet on the season, he hasn't functioned as such, honestly. And a lot of that is just a casualty of him playing alongside Tyreek Hill. And having you know good running backs that space the field 
and good play calling where he hasn't needed to do a ton. Tyree Kill, I totally get the price point. I mean, Waddle's kind of just tagging along for the ride each week with these high implied totals, but he's he's been pretty pedestrian. Matt, don't get me wrong. I think Jalen Waddle today on a two-game slate against Tennessee obviously is viable. But it just it surprises me that every week this guy's price point stays exactly where it is. It doesn't budge regardless of what he does or fails to do. Yeah, this is a DraftKings thing. They they won't adjust prices on skill position players, but then they uniformly bring up the prices of defenses. So every <laughs> single week, you got to debate the likes of Michael Mayer and Jonathan Mingo. Just really great for the product overall when that's where we're at. And without their adjustments, I mean, they leave guys like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, these receivers that have had success way up there in price, which makes the decision point extremely easy for low-risk contests, cash game, small field. Playing Tyree Kill, it's not even a debate. It, I mean, the only thing is, game theory-wise, once you get into a large enough tournament, where do you start considering the Jalen Waddell leverage? I think the 500K is fine. Probably has to be something close to that size. I mean, unless you're playing just stone chalk everywhere else, like Tyree Kill is just a significantly better play. He's projected for over 10 more raw points than Jalen Waddell. Just an asinine price from DraftKings. You know, anybody could tune into a YouTube show where we're talking about like Tyreek Hill's a good play and guys, you should play Barkley and Tua and that stuff. But if if we're not talking about the actual game theory and the strategy that goes into this, you can do all of this work on your own. So I hope that, you know, week in and week out, Matt and I provide that to you, whether it's a showdown show or a two game slate. And the I mentioned this, Matt, only because you just talked about, okay, Waddle could be leverage, but at what point? And and that's kind of the question I have is when, how how do you come to that personally? You know, come to a conclusion like that where you go, okay, Tyree Kill is right now we're projecting him for eighty one percent ownership. We're projecting Waddle for uh, less than half of that. But we also have Tyree Kill projected for so many more points. When does it become smart to use a guy like Waddle as leverage, either just playing for the the, the breakout Waddle game and the pedestrian Tyree Kill game, or for the Hill injury or whatever? And when does it become not sensible to do so, even though there's a huge disparity in ownership? So what I'll say on this is our tools do a great job with that designation. As a heuristic, if you don't have the tools, the Sims, the larger the field, I think the more comfortable you are playing a guy like Waddle. And it might not be at the expense of Tyree Kill. Like I ran some Sims this morning. Obviously, I'll rerun them again because they we had massive AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones news, so it'll change things. But I don't think it'll change things too much with like the Waddle lineups where in the larger field stuff, a lot of the lineups were like, Tagovailoa, Hill, Waddle, and HN, you know, like a Miami onslaught. It's not necessarily at the expense of Tyreek Hill. It could just be full Miami Dolphins onslaught instead. But to me, it's larger field stuff. That point, it's hard to say, which is why the Sims are such a great tool for this. But I mean, probably to really feel good about Jalen Waddle in a lineup, like at least 5,000 entries, maybe even 10. And part of the reason is, yeah. You and I could come on here, say the obvious, Tyreek Hill's an awesome play, but it does come down to pricing and ownership. Tyreek Hill at 9,200 versus Waddle at his price tag, 
we should probably have Wada at like 6K and Tyreek at like 11. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. Like Tyreek Hill, like just if you have our projections, just go look at the raw value scores. We have Tyreek Hill at 2.79. The next closest player is Waddle at 2. Point, or excuse me, is, let's see, DeAndre Hopkins at 2.17. It's almost like a full point difference. Raw projection, Tyreek Hill is 25.63. Number two is Waddle, but he's at 15.5. Like, this is just a DraftKings pricing error on the expensive side. Tyreek Hill is too cheap at 9,200. It's insane no. to say, but it's true. I only laugh because you are right in saying that such a huge gap is appropriate here, but it's not there. In what world should Jalen Waddle be, what is it, $1,700 cheaper? In what world? And probably just the answer, like maybe Jalen Waddle, this could be an efficient price, I think you could argue, because he is in the same range, price adjusted as like Hopkins, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks. Wandale Hyatt, they're all kind of in this range. The the pricing error here is Tyreek Hill, who's not in this range. His value projection is through the roof. So maybe it's just, all right, we do work with a full salary. You're very clearly prioritizing Tyreek Hill. And then from there, are you prioritizing Waddle in addition to him? So this is more an error on the on the Tyreek Hill pricing than anything else, in my opinion. I personally lean on the tools for this because it's easy to make those mental mistakes thinking there's leverage when there isn't. Um, I'll run the Sims for this. If you have a lineup generator, uh, you know, which is like the Sims light, that'll make your life easier for sure. Um, as always, you guys know, if you ever have any questions about these tools, if you're already a sub, uh, we have tutorials, but hit me up. Uh, my DMs are always open on Twitter. Happy to answer them. I know Greg's are too, uh, but links in the description and chat for all of our tools. Sims data package, Sims Max, uh, really, really powerful tools here. Um, that make these decisions easier on you. You don't have, you can still make decisions, but this allows you to let the tools make decisions for you when you don't know the right answers because they are simulating the entire field. They're simulating this contest tens of thousands of times and finding the lineups in these sims that make the most sense and have the highest simmed ROI. It's a game changer without question. So if you ever want to check those out, man, uh, awesome tools and still a lot of football left in the season to win some money doing so. All right. The rest of wide receivers, like I said, I, I do like Deandre Hopkins, Matt. I don't know if we're on the same page there, but just the volume alone at that price point, I think is fair. I, I have no issues with it. It's, Romeo Dobbs has been a mass, a monster target. In, he's been a huge end zone target. Some of the highest end zone targets in the year in the league among all players this year. Uh, Christian Watson is out. So you also have Reed that becomes viable. Uh, and then uh, look, it's, it's not fun, but I'll, we mentioned this. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor the point. We talked about it at the top of the show. I'll take some shots on the Jalen Hyatt. Hope that those air yards or prairie yards, as you referred to them, I hope that one or two of those converts or hope that a Wandale Robinson ends up, you know, catching five yard, five, five receptions in the flat and picking up a few yards after the catch. Uh, as far as cheap guys go, that's probably where I lean. Maybe I'll take a shot or two on a cheap Miami receiver and just hope that tethered to that great offense, they catch a touchdown. Yeah, that's really what you're hoping for. I do like this cheaper range. I'm surprised they're not coming in with more ownership. And maybe it's just the fact that there's so many of them, they kind of just cannibalize each other. 
I'm a little surprised Dobbs and Reed are significantly, well, not significantly. They're like 10 to 12% more owned than Wicks, who comes at a cheaper price point. Wicks should be a full-time player tonight with the absence of Christian Watson. And we've seen target differences in these players, but they're not vast. It's still pretty flat in Green Bay. I wouldn't even be surprised to see like Wicks have a rogue game where he leads the team in targets. Jordan Love doesn't have strong preferences, it appears. So I like Wicks a lot at 3,800, like him as leverage off Dobbs and Reed. I'm probably playing Wandale in like cash games, low risk contests for the reasons you mentioned, high at more tournament play. I think it gets interesting once you get beyond that. I think you can take some shots on like Slayton. Maybe Traylon Burks plays more. I don't know. This guy had the weirdest usage ever since returning to a con- from a concussion. Like he barely played in the game and I don't understand who gets eased in after getting concussed. I don't know. It's not like he had a hamstring injury, but that was helpful for Nick Westbrook Akine, who played a lot. He's not very good, and he would be the player that is coming. I mean, he would probably play less if Burks plays more. So I think I'll just mix and match those players briefly in lineups. But yeah, it gets pretty dusty down here pretty fast. Last question at wide receiver. And our NBA strategy show coming up after this. If you had to pick between one of Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios, and River Craycraft in a Tua stack where you needed salary relief, which one would it be? I think it would be Braxton Berrios, just based on playing time. River Craycraft only four routes in their last game. Said Wilson had nine. So, I mean, he played more snaps than Berrios, but Berrios had significantly more routes. So Berrios is my lean. Don't feel too strongly. I can tell you guys right now that tight end won't take long. It's gross. Uh <laughs> I mean, dude, it's it's bad. The highest priced tight end is Chigakonkwa with thirty one hundred. Then it's Kraft, Bellinger, um, it, under the assumption that he plays with t- Tommy DeVito throwing him the ball. Uh, dude, I don't know. Durham Smythe. At, at this stage of the game, do I just play Durham Smythe at minimum salary with Tua Tagovailoa? Do I just play Chigakonkwa because he's He's talented and athletic, but he has a bad quarterback. We'll keep this quick because we got to get out of here. But is is there a preference? Is there a hierarchy here for you? My favorite is Kraft. As far as blend of playing time with quarterback talent, I think he offers you the most. Smythe plays a lot, but he's just uninvolved in the pass game. Kraft has a reasonable signal caller. He plays a ton, and the target share has been fine for him. I mean, Okonkwo plays a decent amount. He honestly plays less than Kraft, and his quarterback is atrocious. He's drawing more ownership than Kraft, which doesn't make any sense in my opinion. I think Kraft should be projected straight up ahead of Conquo. And Bellinger, honestly, he would be my second favorite on this list, but it's going to come down to like a game time decision with him. I imagine Lawrence Kayser would be the main beneficiary. I'd have some interest in him if that's how it shakes out. But for me right now, Kraft one, Bellinger two, Oconquo three, Smythe four. Okay. Let's uh, build a quick lineup before we get out of here. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right, start at quarterback. What size field? We'll go large field. All right, still talk about law. All right, Tyreek Hill. All right, I'm putting HN in. Okay. Let me go. Because I, I don't want to get, it's so easy to get super chalky here. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Reed. Ooh, okay. Not a fan. No, 
I love Reed. I think he's fine. I'm playing okay. Craft. Craft. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix things up real quick. Let me just see what we have here. I'll go Giants defense at 2,800. Oh, okay. By the way, I I don't care who the defense is. I don't care if I have players against them on this slate. Yeah, me either. I'll play AJ Dillon. I think he's completely fine in this matchup, especially now that Jones is out. Oh man, now we have three Packers. I don't. It's a two-game slate. You're just. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This. Yeah, it doesn't matter. One mistake from Jordan Love and the Giants' defense is fine. If you guys want to pay all the way up for Miami, I guess they're not that much. Let's see. I'll try plugging Miami in and see what happens. They're thirty-four hundred. Gives us five thousand per the final two players. Um, let's see what happens if I go with. Oh wait, you went Dylan, right? Okay. Uh, let, let's see what happens if I plug Barkley in here. That we puts have 3,000 left exactly. Fortunately, there's players down here we can play. I'd probably throw a shot on Burks at that at that point, if that's who we're left with. Okay. This like, just a blend will, of talent. He should play more. This lineup will definitely be duped, but, that I mean, that's just you and me quickly making this. What was the last uh, one? I actually kind of like it. I, I like it, too. So, Traylon Burks. All right. We we zeroed that out very quickly, having no idea what it was going to look like. Guys, appreciate you hanging out as always. Hit that thumbs up before you go. And um, as always, follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, me at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D on the Twitter. And uh, good luck today. I'll see you back here for Live Before Lock with Neil Orfield at 7 Eastern. Peace. <laughs>